Welcome back to Who is the Man of the Shroud. I'm Father Peter Mangum from the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's in Shreveport, where I'm proud to say we have a shroud exhibit that we look forward to sharing with the public again this October during a major event to mark the 40th anniversary of the Shroud of Turin Research Project. This podcast series has launched many different topics related to various aspects of the Shroud, some of which we have definitive answers for, and some which remain a mystery. Among the issues we have frequently dealt with in these episodes have been the identifiable, recognizable, visual features of the Shroud of Turin, which our full-size replica serves to demonstrate. This week, we look at just one more, the visible fold marks on the cloth. What clues can we take away from these crease lines on the fabric? What do they mean about the shroud's previous display and storage, and perhaps even its history? Great topic, and related to one we dealt with just a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the water stains visible on the shroud. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Cheryl White from LSU Shreveport, and of all the topics we have examined in this podcast series, it is precisely these visual indicators that can best be augmented by using the full-size replica, such as the one we have at the cathedral, as a teaching tool. What can be seen on the cloth is, in many ways, the simplest documentary evidence, and unlocking the many mysteries is certainly helped by being able to visualize conditions that point to the Shroud's journey through history. Just two weeks ago, we discussed the scholarly consensus regarding the two very different types of water stains on the Shroud. One type obviously related to the rescue efforts of the 1532 fire in Chambéry, the other type related to a specific type of storage that would have permitted water leakage to seep into the fabric along the long dimension and at its center. This kind of knowledge comes from scientific input about the rate of water absorption, for instance, and the porosity of the linen. This week, we use the same application of logic to understand the meaning of the apparent fold lines or creases in this 14 and a half foot long strip of linen cloth. In the critical summary published by the American Confraternity of the Holy Shroud and Dr. John Jackson of the noted Shroud Center of Colorado, there is a carefully illustrated schematic that shows exactly how the Shroud of Turin had to have been folded to create the lines now visible on the cloth. The fold lines are consistent with the shroud having been kept for at least part of its history in a compartment that could be raised or lowered to reveal the image for viewing. Shroud scientists have even been able to reproduce this container device and replicate the fold pattern. A working prototype of it has been used to prove the shroud was indeed once stored in a way that permitted it to be raised and lowered so the image might be seen or concealed from view. This is a fascinating demonstration, but what might this tell us about the Shroud's history? French knight Robert de Clary, writing his first-person account of the early 13th century entitled The Conquest of Constantinople, tells his readers that he saw an image of the Lord that, quote, stood up straight each Friday, close quotes. And many believe, of course that he was describing the burial cloth of Jesus Christ, the Holy Shroud. What the fold lines seem to indicate is that the shroud was stored in a manner that permitted its raising or lowering, fitting with the description provided by de Clary in his chronicle. 
As a historian, let me weigh in on the importance of being able to bring the written record together with the evidence provided by engineering and science upon study of the visible characteristics of the shroud. In this account of de Clary, we have no further description of how the image of our Lord was stood up straight each Friday. His words, which are all we have to go on, suggest that this image was not always visible, not always standing up straight. Otherwise, why would he have worded his description this way? This is an important point of correlation of data collected, one written, one visual, that seems to me to be especially critical when trying to get full explanations. Here we have yet one more proof of how two very separate pieces of information about the very same cloth support and augment a logical conclusion. The shroud must have been folded into a storage device, not unlike the one reproduced by scientists, and raised and lowered for display, or, as Declary put it, stood up straight. This is just fascinating. So, Father Peter, what are we going to talk about next week? Well, let's turn our attention next to more physical evidence that is embedded in the very fibers of the cloth. You know, in previous episodes, we've talked about pollen evidence, blood evidence, and even DNA evidence, all indicators of the Shroud's journey and relationship to a single man of history. There is also a great deal of information we can know from the soil evidence on the Shroud of Turin. It seems that soils are actually not so common. They, too, leave important environmental indicators behind. Some of it is so specific to a region that it's startling. That's next week. For now, let's conclude by acknowledging the great mystery that we confront in this incredible relic. And it, of course, goes far beyond the physical, the measurable, the quantifiable. Whatever you believe this 14 and a half foot strip of linen cloth to be, no one can deny that it makes us confront the passion and suffering of Jesus for no other man in history suffered in such a unique way. Take a look at an image of the shroud. In 1934, a prayer was composed, prayed by Pope Pius XI himself, and I wish to pray this as we conclude this episode. O Lord, who in the most holy shroud, which enfolded thy adorable body on being taken down from the cross, hast left manifestations of thy presence here below and evident tokens of thy love, By the merits of thy holy passion, and out of regard for this venerable linen which served for thy burial, mercifully grant, we beseech thee, that in the resurrection we also may share in that glory in which thou shalt reign for eternity. Amen.